You are listening to the Better Together podcast, brought to you by the National Association of Free Will Baptists. Welcome to the Better Together podcast, where we look for ways we can work together to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today we have with us uh, Art Rayner. He is the author of this book, Money in Light of Eternity, What the Bible Says About Your Financial Purpose. He's also been involved with, uh, or he is the founder of Christian Money Solutions and has a lot of different interventions that we can use to help disciple people in the Christian faith and help them to think about how to use their resources in a more biblical manner. So Art, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today, my friend. Oh, it is it is my honor. So thank you so much for having me. So Art, you know, we're in such a materialistic society and you talk about this quite a bit in your book, how we can have that particular mindset uh, how is it that we can live for something greater than ourselves? How, why do we need to think about that? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. Um, God has entrusted us with financial resources for a, for a purpose. There's a, there's a reason. Unfortunately, I think many in our, our nation, even in our churches are simply not aware of that, that God has a design, that he has a purpose and a plan for our, for our money. You know, our, but our hearts tell us that, you know, deep down inside, we know that there has to be something more to our finances than what we, what we currently experience, because, you know, we, we chase after the, 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 the larger salary, the, the, the house, the car, and we get those things. And we think that by at- obtaining those things, we will ultimately find our sense of contentment, satisfaction, but we get those things and we find ourselves in the exact same place, not too much longer after we obtain those things that we were before, and sometimes even in a worse place. And then we're trying to do that all over again. And so we, our hearts are telling us, this can't be it. This can't be what God has in store for us. And so I think that we, we, we know that deep down inside. And as we look at scripture, it becomes obvious that yes, we were designed for more. Our money was designed for more. And it really starts with the with the foundation, and we see that foundation in the, in the parable of the of the talents, or the parable of the three servants, where the the master who represents God in that in that in that parable entrusts the servants with some talents or some some silver, and and you you all know the the parable well. The lessons that we draw from from that from that parable is one that God is the owner, and and I truly believe that if we really believed that it would just that one thing it would change everything that if we truly believed that the resources that in or in our bank account are not our resources but are God's resources that it would change the way that we look at that money change the decisions that we make it it, it would have to that if once again if we truly believe that you see, I think oftentimes the the issues that we face with money are an issue that it starts with an issue of identity. We often um, make decisions based on who we think we are, right? And so oftentimes we act like we're the we're the owner of these resources as opposed to what the Bible tells us, and that's that we're the managers. We're we're the we're the stewards. Um, possession does not equal ownership, and I talk about this in the in, in the book. Just because something is in our hands does not mean that it's ours. Mm-hmm. You see that once again, the parable of the talents. The master entrusts the servants with the talents, but at any point do those talents ever become the, the servant's talents? No. They were always the, the master's talents. I, I remember my first uh, first summer job. Now you probably you know remember your first summer job. I was 15. 
like you know like a real job where you actually received a paycheck yeah i was i was 15 and i worked at a place called the park in louisville kentucky and it was a go-kart slash putt-putt course and i for for my job i was the one who helped people get in and out of the go-karts did that the entire summer by the end of that summer, I knew everything there was to know about those go-karts. I knew which one was fastest, which one was slowest, which one likely have engine trouble by the end of the day. But at any point, did those go-karts ever become my go-karts? The answer is no. No, of course not. They were the owner's go-karts. I was simply there to do what the owner wanted me to do. I was there to carry out his plan and his purpose, his mission for those go-karts. You see, what we also see in the parable of the talents is that God has entrusted us with resources for a purpose, for a for a reason. At the at the end, what we see is that those who were celebrated had done something, accomplished something very specific with those resources. They had increased the master's wealth, increased the master's kingdom in a way, advanced his kingdom in, in, in a way. And so this helps us understand why we have resources to begin with. And of course, we can jump to the Great Commission to see that mission, right? God has entrusted us with resources to advance his kingdom, to expand his kingdom. And obviously we, we see that we see that those instructions given to us by Jesus before he ascends to, to heaven. And so yes, we are part meant to be a part of something much larger than our than ourselves. And that is to get the gospel out to the ends of the earth. And this is why God has entrusted us with resources to begin with. So we're trying to get more and more resources for ourselves. We're not happy no matter what we receive. And what you're saying is the reason is because we're made for, for something bigger, for something greater. And we're take, we're here to take those resources and steward them. And you're kind of getting into, you really get in this in your book where we've got to think about our resources in light of eternity, right? Yeah. So how can we take, the things that God has given us, whatever resources that they may be, whether it's one talent as one of those servants had or, or, or much more as other people have, how can we steward those resources in light of eternity? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And the, the answer is primarily through generosity. God has designed us not to be hoarders, but to be conduits through which his generosity flows. So he's entrusting us with these resources so that we will then be generous to, to others and get the gospel to the to the ends of the ends of the earth. And by the way, this is what that act of generosity that will bring the satisfaction, the contentment, the the sense of happiness. Um, that um, that buying a new car, buying a new house for yourself, that, that won't bring. And it's not just Art Rainer saying that. You can actually look at secular studies that, that reveal this. Elizabeth Dunn is a professor in Canada. She's done a lot of work on the relationship between money and happiness. And over and over and over again, her studies show and many others that there is a pretty strong relationship between generosity and a person's happiness. She did a study where... She uh, handed in, in the morning a, an envelope with some money in that envelope and a set, a set of instructions to a group of a group of adults. Now, there was a different denom denomination uh, in, the, in the, 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 the envelope. So it was either a $5 bill or a $20 bill. There's a different set of instructions depending on which envelope you received. One set of instructions said, hey, use this on yourself throughout the day. Another set of instructions said, you use it on somebody else. You know, Give it to somebody. Pay for somebody's meal. Whatever you do by the end of the day, use it on somebody else. 
by the end of the day, and let me go back, they rated their level of happiness that, that morning. By the end of the day, they once again took another, another survey that rated their level, level of happiness. You can guess the results. Those who use the money on somebody other than themselves rated themselves as having greater happiness than those who use money, the money on themselves. This study and many others like this have been replicated literally all over the world. So it's not a U.S. Uh, phenomenon. It's a global thing. Now, what is this pointing out? It's like God has designed us for generosity. He's designed us for this mission. And when we start to align ourselves and our money with his design, we're going to find ourselves more content, more satisfied, being a part of something much larger than, our, than, than ourselves. And so that is very much a part of the design. Of course, that's why I talk about it in uh, Money in the Light of Eternity. It's because that's if you're going to talk about money, you have to start with generosity because the Bible starts there. And in the church, we tend to talk about generosity in light of tithes and offerings and giving to the building fund. But really, right. in the book, you get into it's a whole attitude of how we live our lives, isn't it? And and what we think when we're going out to eat with others. And unpack that a little bit about how we have to how it's important to have that just have that attitude there. Yeah, it's it certainly our, our generosity certainly extends beyond our finances. Um, but it does not exclude our, our finances. So we see that in, in the Bible. But it is, it is with everything that we have been, been given, everything that God has entrusted to us. If it's your home, we are to be hospitable and steward our home well for the advancement of, of his kingdom. Our home, and I talk about this in the book, is a very well-loved home. Uh, when we bought this, this house, it was over a decade ago, uh, we said from the very beginning this was going to be a gospel outpost in our in our neighborhood that we were going to leverage this house for the advancement of God's kingdom in our neighborhood, and and so what that meant was one, we were going to hopefully manage our resources in a way that allowed us to have margin to invite people over, to um, to make sure we have a lot of snacks in the uh, in the cupboard for for all the kids. We have three boys, so we have a lot of kids over. Um, and to steward this house well for for his his kingdom, to host small groups here, um, which once again means yes, um, our house is a well loved home. There's there's holes in the wall. There's um, paint that's been chipped. There's um, right now, admittedly, we, we're missing a door on our back back porch. Why? Because a kid knocked it off. Um, but but all of that's a part of it, right? That's it's a right. generosity, as I mentioned in the book, is messy. Yeah. But praise God for it. There's nothing else uh, that I, that I'd rather do with with our home than to leverage it for for His kingdom. And so, if it means that we have a a door missing right now on our back porch, then you know it's so be it. So be it. So you talk about it being messy. You talk about not keeping score, so to speak. Hey, yeah. we we did this for you. So. That it's also a way of kind of opening up an opportunity to share the gospel with others. And that's the other part I want to ask you about. We see so much in the Know Your Community reports. We'll get a sense of some of the groups are in great debt. Some folks are in communities where there's great needs. So it's really critical for us, those the pastors that are listening, church leaders that are listening, to try to take this and disciple our congregants to be able to be generous people. What kinds of things can we do in our churches, especially, and even in our families to try to disciple other people mm. to have a attitude or have a biblical approach to generosity? Well, it starts with the willingness to, to talk about money. Um, uh, many of our, of our churches across the United States, it's considered a taboo topic, right? 
we shy away. And it's not just in the churches. Let me clear. It's also in the homes. It's a very taboo topic. And I believe that this is a strategy of the enemy. I, I, I genuinely do. Because if you look at Scripture, we we see that there are over 2,000 verses about money, stewardship, possessions. Jesus spoke on money more than any other topic. Um, we know that it is that God uses financial resources to fuel the, the Great Commission, to fuel the gospel going out in our community and, and, and around the world. So if I am if I am the, the devil and Satan, then and I'm trying to figure out how do I stop God's mission? Well, you got to cut off the supply lines. That's a common strategy in any, any war, right? You have to supply, cut off the supply lines. By cutting off the supply lines, then you limit the uh, the 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 adversary's ability to carry out the mission. And so, I I have to believe that this idea of a, that money being taboo, we're not talking about the thing that Jesus spoke about more than any, on, more than any other topic while he was on earth, that God spoke on um, all throughout the scripture. I have to believe that this is a, a strategy uh, of Satan to limit the, our ability to get the, to get the gospel out. Mm-hmm. And so we have to talk about it in our churches because, first of all, if we don't, our members are going to hear about it from somewhere. Like they're going to, they're they're experiencing financial issues. Um, they are living paycheck to paycheck. They are experiencing a load, load of debt that is all over our, our and all in our churches right now. And so they're going to turn to somewhere. And if the church is not talking about it, they'll turn to TikTok. They'll turn to Twitter or X. They'll turn to YouTube, and they're going to find somebody who will talk about this topic that's impacting their lives in such a dramatic way. And some of that stuff is good. Some of it's awful, mm-hmm. and um, most of the time, it's not going to draw them closer to Jesus. It's going to actually end up pulling them away. And so, we have to talk about this in our in our in our churches. And this is why I have focused on this area in a very significant, really committed my life to this particular topic because I believe it is vital that we that we that we address it. That we give a biblical perspective on money, that we help people practically, you know, get out of debt, save for the future, but all with the with the goal of freeing up more resources for the advancement of God's kingdom, helping, helping those, helping fuel the Great Commission with our financial resources. So this is why um, we have a program out uh, coming out in January called the Eight Money Milestones Program. And it is a six-week video-based program. Uh, most of the time, it's going to be done in a small group setting. Could you do it individually? Certainly, but it's really meant for small groups that walks a person through how to get financially healthy, but not just for the sake of financial health. We're very clear from the beginning. In fact, that first session, that first video, we really ground the everything that we're going to do in not just scripture, but also in generosity, because that's the starting point. Um, that is the starting point because that's where the Bible starts. And mm-hmm. so we walk a person through how to build a what we call a blueprint for mission, which is a budget, how to get out of debt, how to save for the future so that then you can live and give more generously. And I am pumped about that resource. Absolutely. I am too. It's it's greatly needed. And so 
I see it being used in a couple of ways. Number one, we've got uh, brand new couples. If you're doing marriage mentoring, it's the kind of thing that uh, people getting ready for marriage could naturally go through a six-week study. It's the kind of thing art people could do on a weeknight, right? Or as part of um, as part of a life group. So people coming together around this in a more relaxed setting, going through it for six weeks and uh, and getting a biblical approach to what the Bible says we should be doing with our finances and trying to trying to be uh, generous with what we have. There, I know a lot of our listeners will think, well, you know, I know there's all kinds of programs out there. What is it about what art's doing that's different? So welcome through that a little bit of how it's different than or or kind of some of the special components of this particular approach. Yeah, that's a it's a really good question. You're right. There are a lot of programs out there. Um, what would set the eight money milestones program apart is really it, it was from the from the beginning, we made a decision that we would consider ourselves to be a failure, that this program to be a failure if by the end of the program they did not find the participant did not find themselves walking more closely with Jesus. That even if they understand how to get financially healthy, even if they made me maybe made some big decisions, like smart money decisions for their for their finances. They did all that, but if they did not walk away with a closer walk with Jesus, then we have then we have failed. And so that's why when you start the start the program in that first session, we talk about some of the things that we've already discussed. We talked we talk about our identity. Who are we in this relationship? With God and and money, how does this how does this work? So we talk about that foundation. We also ground it in generosity. That's as you walk through the money milestones. Money milestone number one is to start giving. That's our starting point. Now it's not an art rainer thing. This is just us looking at the Bible and says, okay, well, where does God start? It starts with with generosity. So we spend that first session talking about God's design for money and generosity, making sure you're checking off that money milestone one before you move to two, three, four, five, six, and seven. Every milestone after that, two, three, four, five, six, and seven, is there to protect or enhance your ability to live and give more generously. So saving for the future, that's a wise thing to do. The Bible talks about that, but let's understand why it's a wise thing to do. Well, because by uh, by saving for the future, we can protect our generosity. So when an emergency, financial emergency hits, we can continue living and giving more generously. So everything is grounded in generosity. Money milestone eight, by the way, is to live more generously. Mm-hmm. And so you're not just you don't just start giving and then you're done. Hopefully, as you go through the eight money milestones, your generosity only grows more and you get to a point where because you don't have any debt, because you have an emergency fund, because you've saved for retirement, because you've paid off your mortgage, and yes, that is possible, you can live and give more generously than you ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And and now you're looking at your resources and you're saying, God, look, you know, what do you want me to do? I got all this. What what's what do you want me to participate in next? And what an amazing place to be. And so that's why that's the differentiator between this program and and some other other programs. There's a lot of practical elements there that are really going to help people manage their finances, but it's the why. It's mm-hmm. the why that differentiates, differentiates, differentiates it from other programs out there. And that's the key, the why. And and really, you're trying to help disciple people stronger in their Christian faith. Yes. 
as really an outgrowth of that, some practical approaches that help them with their lives. I'm I'm excited about that art. I can't wait to see it come out. And I think it's going to be real helpful to so many of our churches, so many, so many believers, even trying to help young couples get off to a good start. I think it's going to be a great resource for the church. So thank you. Thank you so much for, for working on it. I know you put a lot of time and energy into it, my friend. Well, thank you. It's it's really exciting. Um, I can't wait to see what God does in and, and through the eight money milestones as a concept have been out there for a while. Um, so it's a tested um, product in in, in, a, in a way. Um, it's just a guide. Helps people answer that question. What financial step do I need to take next? And why do I need to take that financial step? So I'm very excited about it. That's great. And so if they want to connect with you, they can always go to artrainer.com. They can go straight to what's the website for the uh, for uh, for this particular program. We try try to make it easy. So it's just eightmoneymilestones.com. You can okay. use the number eight, or you can spell out the the number eight. Either one will will get you there. So it's just eightmoneymilestones.com. That's great. Well, thank you, Art. Thank you for stopping by and sharing with us about how important it is to be generous, how important it is to use our resources in light of eternity and to share with us this new program, uh, if you will, this new kind of a discipleship approach that's coming down that many of our churches may want to take advantage of and use. Thank you for sharing with us today, my friend. Well, thank you again for having me. We want to thank you for listening. Maybe you know someone that would benefit from this podcast. Please take it and please share with someone else. Remember, every little thing we do, it really does matter. It really does help when we work together. We are better together. Thank you for joining us today.